Hey, babes. I am your host, Christina Catherine McGinnis, a recent college graduate who is just trying to figure her shit out. In the Bottled Blonde podcast, we are talking lots of booze with a new drinking word every week, dishing on our latest dating adventures, diving into work hacks, and the best hashtag self-care tips around. This is a place for all babes to come and chat about the millennial four pillars, booze, boys, business, and beauty. Come with a glass of champs and get ready to laugh, learn, and have a happy hour with your blonde digital BFF. Let's celebrate not having it all together, but having a good fucking time while we're at it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts every Thursday. Cheers. Hello, TBB babes. I am your host, Christina Catherine McInnes, the founder of KCM Connect, The Bottled Blonde, and the blog, ChristinaMcInnes.com. And guys, this week has been a little bit of a shit show. If you've seen over at my personal Instagram, at Christina Catherine McInnes, my power has been out since Sunday. And I mean Sunday morning. So all of my food at this point, it is now Thursday. All of my food at this point is completely shot. So I need to throw away everything. And everyone at our apartment building is going buck wild. Like the threads and the messages from these people to our management team is like next level crazy. There was some type of like wild power outage. And this is the second time since living here. And I've only lived here for six months in LA so far that we've had these power outages. And I've talked to literally all of my friends about them and been like, is this common? Because this seems literally insane to me. But we've literally been out of power. So thank the Lord. Ran over to the man's house and I am residing in Santa Monica. So I've been here all week. So literally recording live from Santa Monica. I picked up my computer and was like, all right, we have got to make some moves. I like had a gut feeling Sunday night. I was like, I feel like this is just isn't going to get fixed. But most of the people living there had to go get hotels. It was like this whole process. So now I am literally headed home, going to gut the fridge and probably take out my trash and let the place air out since, yeah, that's just not not a good situation. So I am hoping the apartment is all well. But besides that, we are headed to Palm Springs today. I have not been to Palm Springs in freaking ever. And kind of just our luck, literally how the week is going, which makes me laugh, but is going to be great. Tomorrow it's going to be raining, but that's okay. We will enjoy the Palm Springs-ness. If you guys are hunting for a little mini getaway, like wherever you guys are living, go on Groupon. That's like one of my biggest hacks is, especially for travel right now, going on Groupon and you can find the best deals ever. Like the hotel we're staying at, I think is like four or 500 bucks a night and on Groupon was like $79. So we like really, we really hacked it up, but I'll share lots more from the Palm Springs adventure next week. And we've got some really exciting things coming. So make sure to stay tuned. Those will be coming very, very soon. Also, if you're not a part of our Facebook group, you got to get in it. You got to get in it. So go down to the show notes, get up in there. And we are posting all the things that are happening in real time. We are adding some of the people who have been on the podcast. There's a ton of you guys in there. Anytime that we get stuff for like our new secret sisters or any kind of drops that we're going to do, we will be posting in there. So I am so pumped to make sure to head to the Bottle Bond Facebook group. And today's drinking word is going to be confidence. Today, we are chatting with Kevin Nye all things confidence building, managing anxiety, unpacking body image disorders, which we have never dove into on the podcast. So this is going to be such an exciting episode. Kevin is a life coach and public speaker who has committed his life to the betterment of himself and others. We had a really powerful conversation about a ton of relatable topics that I feel like everyone in their millennial lives can 100% relate to. 
I wanted to get Kevin on the show to discuss more about his journey and how he's helped others along the way. So we dive into kind of managing anxiety through social media and how we're really not made to be this caught up in technology, ways to manage anxiety and why we self-destruct and self-sabotage. We go into the difference between those two. So you guys need to like stay tuned to that part because it made so much sense to me. We talk about working on self-esteem tactics and finding your identity while confidence building and forming healthy attachments in 2021. Without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Hello, TBB babes. I am so pumped for today's guest. Kevin is going to be talking all things confidence building, managing anxiety, and unpacking body image disorders. Kevin, for all of the TBB babes who do not know you, give yourself a little introduction. Hello, my name is Kevin Nahai. Thank you so much for having me on, Christy. Really appreciate it. I am a motivational speaker and I'm a personal coach from Los Angeles. I'm 28 years old. And I work with men and women in their 20s and 30s on a select number of emotional and psychological issues. You mentioned a few of them. I work on dating and relationships primarily. I work on body image disorders, self-esteem and confidence issues, and anxiety and depression. And I teach seminars and I work with people as a coach to them one-on-one as well. And very excited to be here. Okay, I have to ask you because we have to ask everybody, what is your favorite cocktail? Do you have a drink that you love? I don't drink alcohol. You don't? I am so proud of you. That is amazing. <laughs> okay, do you like matcha, coffee? What's your vibe? I love tea. Okay, what kind of tea? Black. Black tea, just straight yeah. up black tea. Just like my soul. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Good old black soul. Is there? I love Gatorade. Really? Gatorade is my oh. cocktail. I okay. don't drink soda, but I. I'm you a love Gatorade. For like sugary, like drinks, like juices and stuff. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite flavor of Gatorade? I think mine is the orange. The orange? Mm-hmm. No, cool blue. Okay, you like the cool blue. Yeah. I feel like everyone has a very like distinct flavor of Gatorade that you like. Are you like G two or do you like it straight up like the normal? No, I want the sugar. Okay, so just straight up yeah. normal cool blue Gatorade. Yeah, all the the G two stuff like messes with my stomach and it's got all these chemicals in it. I, no, you know, we, give me the yeah, like, give me the real. Deal or if get I'm going to eat out. ice cream, you know, I, I'm not eating Halo Top. I'm that stuff Hagen is Dolls. gross. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> nasty. That is not coming in the house. We have some salt and straw in here and we're, we're getting bougie with our ice cream. We're going to get raked over the coals for all the people who love Halo Top. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're like, oh my God, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. It's only like 150 calories. For, I'm like, you're eating ice, like literally <laughs> ice, like with a little, it's like a sprinkle of flavor. And they're a like, a sprinkle of like, fat-free milk. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, fuck no. If we're going to, we're going to go for it. If we're going to go for it. <laughs> I want to dive into kind of how you came into this field and like what you've overcome. Cause we were talking before this too. And you've said this, I've watched your Instagram. Your videos are awesome. You don't teach anybody things that you haven't personally overcome. So with some of like the anxiety, the depression, the body image issues, can you kind of dive into how that started for you and then how you were able to overcome it? Yeah, absolutely. If I tell the full story, we'll be here for four hours. But (laughs) the long and short of it is that when I was 19, my first semester in college, I was diagnosed with an incurable stomach disease and I was hospitalized and I started losing weight extremely rapidly and I couldn't eat anything. And I was in excruciating pain. And at the same time, it was my first semester in college. I had just moved away from my family, my friends, and I got hit for the first time in my life really with anxiety. And I, I, got, I got hit for the first time in my life with depression. And for a lot of people, their anxiety and depression really come out between the ages of 19 and 21. You might have glimpses of it before, but if it, you know, if you start getting panic attacks or if you become like seriously depressed, it's usually because, you know, something happens in the brain around that age. So there was a confluence of very difficult factors in my life from this disease to being anxious, to being depressed, to being lonely. And as a result of all of this emotional trauma, I became severely anorexic. And I was starving myself for at least two or three years and 
my organs weren't working and I was just an emotional mess. And then I had a whole bunch of failed relationships, toxic relationships, terrible breakups. I became suicidal. I almost took my own life. Again, I'm simplifying all of this, but yeah. the point of it was that for many, many years, I was suffering with things that no person in their early 20s should ever have to deal with. And I have learned through many years of introspection and therapy and working on myself how to overcome all of those things. And so as I told you earlier before I, we started recording, you know, my highest value for myself is that I don't teach anything that I haven't overcome myself. So if somebody comes to me and they say that they have a disordered relationship with food, or they always feel anxious, or they keep going on dates with people who are bad for them and they just can't figure out why their love life isn't working out, so forth and so on. All of these things are things that I dealt with. I suffered through these things acutely and I figured out what works and what doesn't because I tested it on myself. And for the first two years that I was a coach, I tested it on other people for free. Mm -hmm. I, I was like beta testing. Yeah, like what was working and what wasn't working. Exactly. Trying different theories, different methodologies, different homework assignments. And, you know, it, it wasn't until I had sort of like tried and true proven theories of what to do, practically speaking, when you have certain problems that I actually was able to become a speaker and start charging people to work with them. Mm -hmm. You know, so there are a lot of coaches and therapists and counselors out there who will give you all kinds of advice of things that they have not been through themselves. And even if they have been through it themselves, they haven't worked through it themselves. They haven't actually gotten to the other side of that pain. They're still very much acutely in it. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to be perfect. I'm by no means perfect. I still have lots of issues that I struggle with all the time, Christy. But the things that I counsel people on and the advice that I give them, th those things at least are in my toolbox. Those things I at least know I have that covered. Yeah. I want to dive into, because I feel like this would be super valuable for the audience. What are some ways to manage anxiety through social media? I know that a lot of people have come and they've been like, okay, for me, my job is fully online with, we've got the podcast, the digital agency, and then being a content creator. How do you manage anxiety with that? I've even noticed with myself, I'll sometimes scroll and like mindlessly scroll and then I'll get anxious. And so for me, I've set timers, but what are some ways to kind of deal with that? The best way is to stay off it as much as humanly possible. The only reason that I use Instagram is for my business is so that I can put content out there and chat with people and meet new people and things like that. Mm -hmm. If I wasn't in the profession that I, that I am in from an anxiety perspective, I would have deleted all of my social media accounts forever ago. Mm -hmm. I don't scroll. I don't watch people's stories. I don't watch people's stuff. I put out content. I don't consume content because consuming content is extremely anxiety inducing. Mm -hmm. It creates this, you know, social media creates this vicious cycle of, you know, reward systems in our brain that then are taken away when we don't get the adequate number of likes or views or whatever. And so you're really messing with the brain's dopamine system. Mm -hmm. So my first advice is to just stay off social media as much as possible. If you still like it and you still want to be on it, then there are two things to implement. One is do not look at your phone for the first hour of your day. The first hour that you're awake should include Journaling, meditating, some sort of spiritual practice, going for a walk, stretching, some sort of physical activity, eating your breakfast in silence, not talking to anybody, not looking at any emails, texts, social media. That is the best way to prevent 
your anxiety from spiking throughout the day. Holy shit. I need to hop on that trend. (laughs) So I need to like start implementing that. That's the first thing that I grab. And I notice like, because of that, I'm super reactive. So I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh shit, that email came through. They're going to need this right away. Okay. I need to do this. I need to do that. And you kind of like start your to-do list off of all the things that are buzzing on your phone. Now, exactly. Now, so think about this. Do you use an alarm on your phone? I do. Can you describe which sound it is? Yes. What is it? Oh my God. Should we do it? Okay, hold on. Ding, ding, ding. It, I think, hold on. We'll literally do it. And people are going to, do you want to know what's crazy is the fact that anybody, is it this one? Okay, let me see. I think it'll do. That one. Yeah. That yeah one. Okay. But do you want to know what's crazy is if I'm out in public and I hear that noise, I'm like, holy shit, am I asleep right now? Or like, exactly. <laughs> like I will be able to like notice it and I'm like, oh my gosh. And it kind of like startles you a little bit. Okay. You took the words literally right out of my mouth. So what I was going to say is that that is what's known as an anchor. If I play that ding, ding, uh-huh. noise for you at four o'clock in the afternoon, it's going to startle you and it's sort of temporarily going to spike your anxiety and it's going to make you think of, it's going to make you think, oh shit. Yeah. Okay. Looking at your phone first thing in the morning and looking at social media first thing in the morning is the same, oh shit, anchor. So you are literally starting your day where your first thought is anxiety, insecurity. I have to do something. Mm -hmm. I've got all these things hanging over my head. So when you look at social media at four o'clock in the afternoon, it's the same anchor as the alarm going off in your head Yeah, because it starts making, it makes you compare yourself to other people. It thinks about, it makes you think about all the things you're doing wrong. You're not pretty enough. You're not this enough. You're not that enough. So first of all, you're starting your day. That's the first thing that you consume. That's the first thing that goes in your brain. Mm-hmm. There's no good time to have that feeling but the worst times are one first thing in the morning and two right before you go to bed yeah so that was the second thing i was going to say is stay off your phone an hour before you go to bed as well okay so an hour but right when you wake up and an hour before bed yeah i like it those i feel like those could be doable they'd be like a little bit you're just gonna have to like put in the work to like actively not yeah to actively not do that you just brought up kind of the comparison I want to touch into like self-destruction and self-sabotage. Obviously, this incorporates with social media, but also your mindset about things. And I've noticed this even with myself or other people, like you'll start thinking of something and you'll start like self-sabotaging. What are some ways for the listeners to not do that? Like little tips and tricks to start to combat that, that little voice in their head? Well, first of all, There's an important distinction between self-destructive behavior and self-sabotage. Okay. We often conflate them. Self-destructive behavior occurs when you are continually doing something that you are aware is destructive. For example, staying in a bad relationship with somebody who is not good to you and everybody around you tells you that it's, you know, the relationship is not good. You have the cognitive knowledge, you have the awareness that it's not good for you or eating crap or drinking too much or not going to the gym. Mm -hmm. These are all things that we all do. And we are, we have the intellectual understanding that we are doing something self-destructive. We do it anyway, and we'll get into that in a second, but that's Mm -hmm. self-destructive behavior. Self-sabotage, on the other hand, occurs when you are doing something that you are not aware is destructive. Something that comes from your subconscious. Your subconscious is driving you to do things that you think might be helping you or Mm -hmm. you think might actually be productive, but they are actually destroying and inhibiting your growth and progress. So that would be something like being a workaholic. You think I'm working all these hours, I'm on the grind, I'm making all this money, I'm, you know, blah, 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 Mm -hmm. but you're really an emotional mess and you have no time for your friends and family. So you don't know that working this much is actually destructive to your emotional health. Or you might be dating someone who's terrible for you because your values and your timeline don't align, for example, but you know, you guys have fun together and it's spontaneous and it's cute and it's romantic. So 
you think, oh, this relationship will eventually work out when you're actually doing something that is self-destructive. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. I totally, like, now that you explain them, I'm like, no shit, that makes a lot of sense. But when I, I totally, like, paired them together so I can right. 100% see the differences. So first you have to understand which of my destructive behaviors are, you know, do I, do I recognize cognitively? And there's a way to stop those. Then you have to understand which of my self-destructive behaviors are brewing below the surface and I don't have a cognitive understanding. For those behaviors, you need a coach or a okay. therapist. To kind of, yeah, bring them out. Exactly. To hold up the mirror to you. It's like if you're really sick and you don't know what the diagnosis is, you don't try to figure it out by yourself. You go to the doctor. Yeah. And if the doctor says, I don't know, you go to a specialist. Mm -hmm. Most of our behaviors are subconsciously driven. Most of our destructive behaviors are self-sabotage. We are not aware of the ways in which we are destroying ourselves and inhibiting our growth and progress, which is why every single person should have a coach or a therapist in their corner, somebody to point those things out to you. Mm -hmm. Now, for the behaviors that you are aware of, like not going to the gym, eating poorly, drinking too much, having sex with a bunch of people, things that you know your mom and dad told you not to do and like read any article in, you know, any psychological study, they'll tell you these things are not good. Like you yeah. get it. Mm -hmm. So how do you avoid doing these things? The best way that I can, I mean, look, I could tell you you have to be disciplined and you can't be lazy mm -hmm. and, you know, all of that stuff, like just, just put your head down and do it do the things you know you're supposed to do, but it's not always that easy. The best way that I can describe it is that everything you do or don't do has to be tied to a higher purpose than yourself. For example, if you think to yourself that you need to get in shape because you're fat mm -hmm. and you don't like the way you look, that's not a very strong motivator. Mm -hmm. If you think to yourself that you need to get in shape because you deserve to feel better about yourself and you want to have a better body for your future husband and your future children and for the best possible version of yourself, now your goal is connected to a higher purpose, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So everything that you do or don't do, there has to be a reason behind it that is larger than you. And self-discipline, having the discipline to actually get up and accomplish your goals, is really a battle between desires, between a base desire and a high desire. A high desire is my future, my family, what I want in life, my ambition, the way I deserve to feel. Those are high-purpose desires. A base desire is instant gratification, what I want right now what I feel like doing or not doing right now, those are base desires. So when I say it's a battle between desires, if you can, if you can stay connected to your high purpose desires and mm -hmm. let them win over your base desires, then there's actually a reason for you to stop destroying yourself. There's actually a reason for you to achieve your goals and put in the work and not take the easy way out. Mm -hmm. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, no, hundred percent. I feel like too, then you have like, you're, you can't have that excuse because it is, it's bigger and it's larger and it's like, you can't lie to yourself yeah, anymore. Mm -hmm, to not be like, Oh, well that cookie, like I could totally eat those whole box of cookies if I wanted to. But now thinking like, okay, for like my future self and what I want to be and who I want to be with, I wouldn't do this thing. Okay, TBB babes, you guys are hearing the latest and greatest here first. ChristinaMcGinnis.com is launching sticker packs. We are super excited about our three packs, the blogger pack, social media pack, and the podcast pack. A portion of the proceeds will go to Love 146. Love 146 is an international human rights organization working to end child trafficking and exploitation through survivor care and prevention. So what the heck is a sticker? guys, this is going to change your gram game. Unlike gifts, stickers can be copied and pasted into your Instagram stories without reducing the image quality. 
stickers are files you own, so they will never be hard to relocate for future use, unlike Instagram's black hole of a GIF library. Stickers can also be used in YouTube videos. These are so simple, guys. I use them in all of my stories, and you guys were asking about them, so we figured let's make them available for all of the TBB babes. Use my code KCM20 to get 20% off your sticker pack at ChristinaMcGinnis.com. That is KCM20 at ChristinaMcGinnis.com for 20% off any and all sticker packs. Have you ever heard of Ed Milet? Yeah, I love Ed Milet. I love him. And he was talking about... He's here in California. Oh, he's in, he, he's in he, Orange County. Oh, he is. Yeah. But I listen to his podcast all the time. And he said something that I actually loved about food was like, think about just being better than your past self. And also think about like, okay, instead of having the full cake, now have half a cake, mm-hmm. you know, or half a, or half a cookie because your old self would have the full cookie. Right. Like always trying to improve from where you're at, not necessarily like Sally Sue or Karen or whatever, yeah. but being like, okay, I used to do this and to like constantly move forward to think about, okay, well, what do I want to do now? Yeah. Compare yourself against your previous self. And you know, the, 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 one of the mantras that I live by and this is the way I really avoid a lot of my own self-destructive behavior is, Kevin, don't live your life according to who you are right now. Live your life according to the man you want to become. Identify the person you want to be and then live as if you were that person. If you live your life the way you are right now, with your base desires, your pain, your instant gratification, your laziness, your lack of discipline, your self-destructive behavior, all of that stuff, you're never going to progress. If you live your life according to where you want to be and who you want to be, then you cut out so much of the self-destructive behavior, so much of the laziness, so much of your own pain, because you actually have a purpose. You actually have something to strive toward. Okay. I love it. I love all those things. I'm like, all right, now I, now I'm like, after this podcast, I'm going to go like rip around the block. (laughs) I'm ready to go. I want to touch on forming healthy attachments in 2021, you know, with everybody in the new year, I'm a big, like new year person, not necessarily on resolutions, but this year I felt like, so no, it's more than better me, but (laughs) but I was just really excited. Like every year I feel like when the new year starts, like it's almost a fresh start in a sense, not necessarily for a resolution, but like, okay, here's new goals we want to set or new, new things that we want to do for forming healthy attachments. What would be some tips for people who are maybe getting into a new relationship or want to get into a relationship and not bring a lot of those like toxic past behaviors? Well, not bringing toxic past behaviors is a good start, but what is your, for purposes of answering this question, mm-hmm. what's your definition of forming a healthy attachment? Ooh, I would say maybe um, if, okay, if we're talking dating, probably like finding a romantic partner, if you're looking to date someone and like forming, I guess, something that is more serious. Like what are some, mm-hmm. cause I feel like a lot of people are like, okay, I want to have a boyfriend or I want to have a girlfriend, but I keep like going back to the same person Mm -hmm. or I keep having these same issues come up in every single relationship. Yes. yes. Okay. So this is something I could talk about for hours and days and months and years. Mm -hmm. This is really like my bread and butter. What I, what I really help my, the majority of my clients with. So I'll have to give just a simplified answer. Yeah. First of all, whatever emotional problems you have that you haven't addressed on your own, will be addressed in your romantic relationship and not in a pretty way. Whatever disease you had in your singlehood will spread like wildfire in your relationship. So if you want to form a healthy attachment and have a stable and happy relationship, before you get into that, you don't have to be perfect on your own. You don't have to be whole or complete or Mm -hmm. any of that crap. You hear all these people say like, oh, you got to be, you know, 100% 100% on your own in order before you can get into a relationship. If that were the case, nobody would ever be in a relationship ever. <laughs> Everyone would be single. Exactly. So, cuz why would they be in a relationship? The whole point of a relationship is it makes you better mm-hmm. than, you know, you would be on your own. If yeah. you're perfect on your own, relationships are hard work, mm-hmm. you know? You would just stay there. 
Anyway, I digress. So you don't have to be perfect on your own, but you do have to be, you do have to heal, have healed some of your own traumas. If you've got attachment issues, abandonment issues, if you have trauma from previous relationships, you don't have any business getting into a relationship until you've worked through some of those things at the bare minimum. So two things I always say, one is if you owned an airplane and your airplane had a gas leak or a broken wing, would you invite passengers you love onto the airplane? Fuck no. Right? Because yeah. you're going to kill them. Mm -hmm. The plane's going to crash. So if you have faulty engineering in your own emotional life, is it really right or fair of you to invite someone else into that? No. The relationship yeah. is probably going to crash and burn. Uh -huh. Now, same goes for the other person, right? Mm -hmm. Would you step onto an airplane that you knew had a gas leak or a broken wing? Absolutely not. So why would you date somebody whose life is constantly crashing and burning? Mm -hmm. Okay. So the first thing is in order to form a healthy attachment, two people have to have done enough work on themselves that they can have a secure and stable relationship. And, and don't, don't underestimate the power of that because 99% of people haven't done that. And that's why the, you know, the divorce rate is 60% and so forth and so on. That's the first thing I would say. The second thing that I would say is that your compatibility with someone else, because you said, you know, for listeners who are looking for a serious relationship, right? This is this really comes down to combat compatibility, assuming you're not a mess, like assuming you've done some work on yourself. Mm -hmm. Your compatibility with someone else comes down to three things. One is your values. Your values and your partner's values have to be the same. Values are things like, how do you want to raise children? How many kids do you want to have, if you even want to have kids? Mm -hmm. Do you want to have a Jewish household? Do you want to have a non-religious household? Where would you want to send your children to school? Are you more progressive? Are you more conservative? How do you vote? Like the values are the things that you really believe are important and you want to pass on to your children. If your values and your partner's values are not almost identical, they're going to have a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing. Second part of compatibility is a communication style. If you're the person who needs a lot of personal space and doesn't like to text and doesn't like to communicate often and stuff like that, and your partner is really chatty and wants to spend a lot of time with you and needs a lot of validation and needs to talk all the time, your communication styles are way off. Yeah. Your communication styles don't need to be the same, but they have to be similar enough that they're workable. Mm -hmm. So ask yourself two questions. A, how do I like to communicate? And B, how do I like to be communicated with? And I even think about like setting up times like and being like, how often do we want to see each other? Mm -hmm. Like there's some couples that literally see each other once a week and they're good versus other people are like, no, I need to be with them five or six days a week. Yeah. That's huge. Because if you're like, hey, I like to be independent. I like to be on my own. Like, you know, for some people, it's great to like separate three, four days and then come back together for a few days. Like that's important too. Cause if not, then you're going to have someone who wants to see you all the time. And you're like, fuck no, I need my own time. I yes. want to watch housewives and drink my wine by myself or go see my girlfriends or whatever it is. Right. So you have to figure out how you communicate and how you want to be communicated with. Right. And, and by c communication, I really mean a catch all for how much time you want to spend with each other, mm -hmm. what you want them to tell you, and so forth and so on. So that's the second part of compatibility. The third part of compa compatibility seems self-explanatory, but it often goes overlooked, which is a feeling of safety. Man, woman, everyone needs to have a feeling in their relationship that they are safe. A lot of things go into this, like trust and honesty and mm -hmm. respect, but by safety, really what I mean is a lack of anxiety. If you are in a relationship where your anxiety receptors are going off all the time, mm -hmm. they are not reliable, you don't feel like you fully trust them, they don't communicate with you in a way that makes you feel good, you want to see them way more than they want to see you, all of this stuff makes you feel like you're walking on eggshells. I don't know if you've ever had a relationship like that. Oh, this. a million percent. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Where, you know, things are like, it's, yeah, it's like your little receptors. You're like, that's, I got cheated on by a guy. And of course, you know, his phone would go off like every five mm -hmm. minutes and it was all these girls. And he's like, oh no, that's blah, blah, blah. And 
I didn't realize like in retrospect, I could like dive into the story. Long story short, he was like cheating on me on this app that was at the time. So it was mm-hmm. called the Whisper, where essentially you'd go on and like take naked Whisper. pics. Sounds like, like Ashley Madison. Something, yeah, something like that. It was kind of like an Instagram feed for people who wanted to upload nudes and like get validation. He was a bodybuilder, so he was like mm-hmm. really needed that validation, apparently. But like uh, my receptors like would go wild when his phone would buzz. And I was like, what, like, why are so many people hitting you up on like this one app Mm -hmm. or like through Instagram DMs or whatever it was. And most of the time your intuition about something is correct. It's always right. If you're like, that's fucking weird. It's weird. And especially if you bring it up and you get weird vibes from the person, like, you know, deep down, you always know. So everything you just described is the antithesis of safety, Mm -hmm. right? That's what I mean by safety is... if, if you don't have a feeling of being clear, calm, and at ease in your relationship, then you're not really compatible with the person. So I am all about forming. Oh, there it goes. Are you asleep? <laughs> I am not asleep. Thank God. I know. Holy crap. But it does. It makes you, you're like, know, oh my exactly. gosh. Yeah. Okay. Going off of now that that timer just like popped back up. I have a question that I didn't ask earlier. What do you think about time blocking then? Have you ever time blocked like for your schedules or for like for yourself or essentially uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's great. I think that's great habit building practice and whatever helps you be more productive. Just do it. Just do it. Okay. Then do you think like, don't set the timers or how should you do that so that they don't go off and you don't get like, Oh, Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I wouldn't set an alarm. I would just put your phone away and put your computer on do not disturb for a period of 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., for example. Gotcha. When 1 p.m. comes around, then you can resume your normal activities. But that oh shit feeling from your alarm going off, you want to prevent that as much as possible. <laughs> and me, I'm like, if you saw all of the oh shits that I have like lined up for the day, <laughs> I'm going to go through and like turn them off. I'm going to have to find something else. I'll figure it out. I do have like a little like strawberry timer that makes like a happy sound. So maybe that's okay. a little better. That's you know, better. Yeah. something better than like the wake up sound. Yeah. Anyway, to wrap up my answer to this question, first of all, do some work on yourself. Figure out where your attachment roadblocks are. Get a therapist, get a coach. Don't bring somebody onto your airplane if your airplane has a broken wing. Secondly, figure out your compatibility with the person. That revolves around three things. One, your values. Two, how compatible your communication styles are with each other. And three, is there a feeling of safety in the relationship? Is there that feeling of comfort and assuredness? I love it. What do you want to be known for? Oh, what a great question. Well, aside from my body and my looks, of <laughs> course, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I want to be the inventor of the world's greatest steak sandwich. Oh. I'm just joking. I, to be honest, I was so down for that. I was like, hot damn, you can like drop a steak off here anytime. Because I'll be I, your I, taste tester. I love steak and I think a steak sandwich with fries is the wor- world's greatest invention. Okay, where is, where's your favorite steak sandwich from? It's from a place in New York, unfortunately. Hey, that's okay. Tell we we got some New Yorkers. Okay, in New York, it's this place called Baltazar. I'm sure everybody in New York knows it. Mm-hmm. They have the best steak sandwich of all time. Oh, okay. But it's going to be on the list. Yeah. I again, I digress. Yeah. <laughs> what I really want to be known for, you know, this is what I do. This is my passion. This is what I love. I want to be, you know, a respected speaker. I want to coach all kinds of people, but. Going a a level deeper, I want to be known as the person who raised a new generation of men and women and a generation of men and women who respect themselves and each other at the highest level. And what I mean specifically is that I am not the right coach for everybody because when I'm working with men, I am training them and teaching them how to be gentlemen, not only with ladies, but just how to be real, respectable, present, decisive, honorable men. And I'm working, when I'm working with women, my ambition and my goal is to teach them how to be self-respecting women who know their worth, don't accept less than that, 
don't disrespect their bodies, don't give their bodies away to people for free, and so forth and so on. So I'm not a conservative person politically, but I have very conservative and very traditional values in terms of what it means to be a man, what it means to be a father, what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a mother. And these values I, I've noticed have really been lost upon our generation. And that's why we have such dysfunctional relationships. So I want to be known as the person who instills better values in people our age in millennials and makes them happier, more respectful, more respectable people. I love that. Hey, you, are you needing an afternoon at pick me up? Don Francisco's organic cold brew is the perfect summer coffee drink. It's easy to brew at home. All you need is a large glass container or pitcher. After letting it steep in cold water for 24 hours, you have delicious coffee concentrate. It's the perfect way to start your summer day or enjoy as an afternoon pick-me-up. I know I sure need one. Don Francisco's is premium coffee, people. Roasted and packed in the USA. And the very best part, guys, Don Francisco's Coffee has created a special sampling code where you can receive 20% off any purchase on donfrancisco's.com. Just go to donfrancisco's.com, shop, and check out with the promo code BLONDE, and you will get 20% off your order. Offer is good from August 1st till January 31st, 2021. Get sipping, party people. I want to dive into kind of the eating disorder realm because we've never talked about it on the podcast, but I think it's super valuable. And we had chatted about this. It's very interesting. A lot of times when we hear about like body dysmorphia, anorexia, bulimia, it's most of the time from a woman. Mm -hmm. Like I can't think off the top of my head when it's from a man. And that's why like I'm so excited we're able to chat about this. Can you tell me how you were able to overcome that and tips for people who might be going through the same thing? Because I think the male's perspective is super important on this. Sure. Yeah. So what's interesting is that the prevalence of traditional body image disorders like bulimia, binge and purge, anorexia, so forth and so on, are predominantly in women. However, men these days have an extremely high prevalence of eating disorders when it comes to something, body image disorders, when it comes to something called muscle dysmorphia. Muscle dysmorphia is also known as bigorexia. So whereas 80% of the women out there are always trying to be skinnier and their body image disorder is centered around their eating and feeling like they are too big, mm -hmm. men's eating disorders are centered around feeling like they are not big enough. So they want to become bodybuilders, they want to take steroids, they want to have six packs, they want to, you know, look like male Instagram models and things like that. So this is a very recent phenomenon. Women have had eating disorders forever. Mm -hmm. It's only in recent years that psychologists and social scientists have discovered that men have serious body image disorders too. It's just not always anorexia. It's usually this thing called bigorexia mm -hmm. or muscle dysmorphia. So. I was severely anorexic for about two or three years. I'm five foot nine. I was 112 pounds. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah. So I was skinnier than some of my ex-girlfriends who are like five feet tall, mm -hmm. just to put it in perspective, you know, and I looked like a ghost and it was not, it was a very, very scary time in my life. And there are plenty of men who struggle with anorexia and more traditional body image disorders. However, after I overcame the anorexia, I suffered for a period of time from bigorexia. Okay. So I got back to like kind of a healthy weight and then I became obsessed with getting bigger and putting on more muscle and getting abs and doing all kinds of self-destructive things in that realm, right? Okay. So my my body image disorder really wasn't only when I had anorexia, it also, you know, 
spilled over into when I had the bigorexia. That's so interesting. I've never heard about this. I've always thought about it, especially like how I said I dated a bodybuilder. And so I had always thought like, there's got to be something along this realm, but I didn't know a name for it, but you can kind of see those like tendencies. So I a hundred percent, like, I'm like, okay, this is like big, like, woo. Like I, this is all making a ton of sense to me. Yeah. It's, it's a real thing. But I think that just men in general, whether they have muscle dysmorphia or they have just traditional body dysmorphia, don't talk at all. They don't talk enough, Mm -hmm. but you know, they don't talk sometimes if ever about their their bodies and the way that they feel and the way they manage their relationship with food and stuff like that. I mean, men definitely struggle from this as well. And, you know, what I say to the to to the women out there, because I do work with a lot of women who have these issues, is that you don't need to be severely anorexic or bulimic throwing up all your food in order to have a troubled relationship with your body. Mm -hmm. It can be much more innocuous than that. It can be just simple things like weighing yourself every day or constantly thinking about, you know, what you're eating or constantly being on a new diet, right? Mm -hmm. So the way that I define an eating disorder is not how severe it is, but how much space it takes up in your mind. Yeah. Like you don't have to be 90 pounds and like on the verge of death, God forbid, in order to have an eating disorder. Yeah. If you're constantly thinking about food and about the way you look and you're constantly feeling like you are not comfortable in your skin, then it's safe to say you've got an eating disorder. Now, how to overcome it, because that was your original question. Same thing like going to the doctor. You're not going to do it by yourself. You need to work with a professional. Can't be ashamed of it because it happens to everybody at some point in their life, especially in LA. I don't know one person, maybe you, (laughs) because you seem wonderful and you seem comfortable with yourself, but I don't know one person in LA who doesn't have a troubled relationship with their body in Mm -hmm. one way or another. Yeah. So it happens to everybody. It's not something to be ashamed of at all. You should not, you should be as ashamed of it as you would be ashamed of getting a cold or, you know, Getting COVID or something, because that's a little more extreme. Yeah. You know, it's happening all the time, but you need some help. And the thing is that you're not going to get over it until you're ready. It's sort of like a drug addiction. Like when I was at my sickest, Christy, everyone and their grandmother was trying to help me. I'm so worried about you. What has happened? Confide in me. Tell me what's going on. I pushed all of those people away and I kept denying that there was a problem. You know, I kind of knew in my in my head that something was wrong, but in the mind of an addict or in the mind of somebody who's really obsessive about their body, you don't get it until you're ready to get it. Yeah. And you don't accept help until you're ready to accept help. Mm -hmm. If there's anybody out there who's ready to accept help and just wants to talk about this a little bit, I am always here to listen. But with this stuff, with like these clinical disorders, you can bring a horse to water, but you can't force them to drink. Yeah. Well, and too, I mean, there's like little things like I think it's one thing to like have those thoughts, but then it's another to act on them. Like if you're thinking about this all the time, like and you're like, OK, I, I mean, I've never puked up food or anything along those lines, but you're thinking about it even then I feel like it's it's time to even just talk to a girlfriend about it or exactly. talk to your mom or write down or go see a therapist. Like there's so many avenues. For me, like, and if you're noticing a pattern, like, stop it. For me, I was like, oh, each time I go to the fridge, like, I'm just, like, eating away. So I was like, okay, I want to get a nutritionist and have, like, a regimented plan. You can do those things without it becoming an issue. Like, and I think little improvements are awesome, but not when they're taking up all of your headspace. Exactly. Because that's, like, you should charge for that. (laughs) Like, you should charge your thoughts and be like, what the hell? Why are you guys here? But I, I love everything that you said. If there's, like, somebody who's noticing these patterns too. So your your first advice would be like, go get help. My first advice would be start to write them down. Okay. And pay attention to, as you said, how much space they are taking up in your head. Is it something you think about an hour a day, 10 hours a day, 24 hours? Are you always thinking about food? Are you always looking at yourself in the mirror? Are you always weighing yourself? You know, And looking at yourself in the mirror could be 
I'm too big. I'm too small. I'm too this. I'm too that. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, it's just how, how obsessive are your thoughts and how much is this interfering with your daily life? Not in terms of your actions, like you don't have to be starving yourself, but how much is it interfering with your daily life in terms of how much do you think about it and obsess over it? Because that's taking up precious space and energy. So first, every time you have a thought like that, write it down in your phone to see, spend three or four days doing that so you can get a sense of like how severe this really is. Having said that, yes, get help because there are a thousand and one good ways to fool yourself into thinking it's not that severe. People who have eating disorders are masters of deceiving themselves and thinking, oh no, it's fine. I'm just more driven than other people. I just really want to look good. You know, I just have stronger discipline. These are all excuses. You know, you've got a problem. It's like an alcoholic, alcoholic saying, doesn't matter that I drink three glasses of wine seven nights a week. It's wine. That's normal. No, mm-hmm. we're still an alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you can normalize and qualify and justify these things all day long. So yeah, really, I would say, you know, even if it's just reaching out to me for, we'll talk about it for an hour. You know, I'm not going to charge you anything just to help you gauge how much of an issue this is for you. And then you can, you know, decide what you want to do about it from there. You don't have to fix the problem overnight. You just can't pretend that it's not there. Ignorance and sweeping it under the rug, same thing in business, same thing in a relationship. You don't always have to be perfect. You just can't deceive yourself. You can't fool yourself into thinking that recurring problems are going to go away by themselves. Okay. I love that. But is there a book, podcast, or resource that you look to for value? Yes, many. It just depends on the subject. Who are your favorites right now? Okay. Podcast, the Joe Rogan podcast. That's your fave? Probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with my industry, but I just find it entertaining. Mm -hmm. Like when I'm driving a little. Yeah. But you said for value, so I shouldn't have included that. I'm big on books. Okay, favorite books. Big on books for value. That's where I get most of my knowledge. So I'll give a couple. For relationships, because you were talking about forming healthy attachments, buy a book called Attached. Just the word attached. (laughs) Fantastic. That book changed my life. For eating disorder issues, buy a book called Intuitive Eating. It's by a nutrition therapist named Elise Resch, R-E-S-C-H. She saved my life. Literally. She was my nutrition therapist for a long time. Give me another subject. I'll give you. Maybe like something on personal development or like mindset. Yeah. There's a great book called Mindset. Oh, perfect. It's by- (laughs) Makes it easy. It's by Carol Dweck. D-W-E-C-K. We will link all of those in the show notes. Where can everyone follow you? On Instagram. On Instagram. Okay. Pimp pimp yourself out. Instagram. (laughs) Give us the handles and how to spell them. Okay. It's Kevin Nahai, K-E-V-I-N-N-A-H-A-I. I have a YouTube channel too. I'm not very active on it, but it has some longer form videos. But my Instagram, you can follow me there. Send me a message. I'll respond every time. Perfect. Yeah. Well, TBB babes, go say hello to Kevin. And please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the Bottled Blonde podcast. We will see you babes next week. 